Good morning. morning. Welcome to Northminster Church this morning on this wonderful Easter morning. We are so glad that you are here. Whether you are a longtime member or a friend or a family member, we are honored by your presence. Thank you for being with us today. I do want to say a special word of welcome to those of you who are visiting with us. I hope you will participate in all aspects of our worship service this morning, uh, including communion. Today is going to be a full, wonderful, celebratory day, Uh, so do please take part in communion. We will have two communion stations this morning because we have a bigger crowd today. One will be on this side, one will be on that side. You will exit um, in the center of your row, come down, and go back to your seat around the outside. If you get confused, just follow the person in front of you. Won't be a problem. I also want to let you know that the church office will be closed tomorrow. This is mostly for our wonderful administrative assistant, Renee. She deserves a nice long break and a nap and whatever else she needs tomorrow. So we are gonna be closed tomorrow. We will be open then again Tuesday morning. Uh, also, I have the, the sad duty to tell you, if you have not already heard, Linda Mulhern, who is a staple in the music community in Monroe, passed away last week. Um, her sister, Anita Breen, uh, is a church member. There she is. Um, and uh, Linda did pass away, surrounded by family. Um, and her service will be tomorrow at First Methodist West Monroe, where she was the accompanist for years and years and years. Uh, The visitation will be from 12 to 2, and then the funeral will be at 2 o'clock. So if you can make it over, I know Anita would enjoy and appreciate all of our support and maybe a hug on her way out today. Now, I think that is everything. Kids, here's a note for you. The children's message is right after the procession. So let the, the choir get where they're going, and then you can come up and we'll sit together. Please don't knock anybody over, come up carefully, and then sit on the floor and we'll go from there. All right, now let's take a deep breath together. And we take this deep breath because it is a new world. Life has not been beaten by death. Christ is risen. And we get to celebrate that today. So take a deep breath. Let that breath fill your lungs, let it go all the way down to your toes and feel the joy of being able to breathe and breathe deeply in a place where love is the last law. As you breathe out, breathe out your to-do list, breathe out the Easter eggs that have to be found later, breathe out the dishes that aren't done, breathe out the homework that is gonna be waiting for you at some point. Breathe in again, know that you are loved by God and then let us worship together. Did you hear it? The stone roll away, the grave clothes being folded, The body rise. It was like a whispered alleluia in the stillness of dawn, but it was real. Did you hear it? The angels muffled laughter as the women reached the tomb. The dawn break over the garden, revealing footprints in the dew. The mountains bow in slow grandeur just out of the corner of your eye. It was like something shifting at the edge of your sight, but it was real.
Did you hear it? The world hold its breath. The stars hesitate. The sun linger. Creation fill its lungs. The air swell. So that the whole earth can proclaim, Christ is risen. This is the resurrection morning. Come on, kids, come on up. <laughs> oh, 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 let's walk, let's walk, let's walk. Hello. So today's Easter morning, yeah? Did everybody get a basket? No? no? Easter Bunny didn't come to your house? No. Well, we have two important things to do today, okay? And one of them is going to have to wait until after the worship service is over. And one of them we're going to do right now. So, what do you think? It's a cross. It's a cross. What do you think it's made out of? Wood. No, it's not wood. Grass. It kind of looks like grass. Anybody else? Plants. It's a very specific kind of plant. Do you all? It's kind of a stem. Do you all remember what you did last week? What did you do last week? No, it's not a lily. What did you come in waving last week? Do you remember? Um, palms. These are made out of the palms that y'all brought in last week. I took a little while and made them into crosses, and I'm going to give them to you after the service is over so that you can take them and remember Easter. Hey, look at me. Thank you. So what these will do is they're starting to do it already. This one's turning kind of brown, and it'll dry, and you can put it somewhere safe. You have to be kind of careful with it because it is going to dry out, but you can keep this as a reminder of how you all help to celebrate not only Palm Sunday, but you're going to help us celebrate Easter. So at the very, very beginning of Lent, what did we do? Do you remember? Had to do with this purple box. What did we do? That's right. So today, we got to let the hallelujahs back out of the box because it's Easter. And today is a day we celebrate. Today is an exciting, happy day. And today is a day we get to say hallelujah again. So what we're going to do, and we talked about this. Some of us talked about this beforehand. Sit on your bottom, please. Before the service started, we talked a little bit. We are going to hand the hallelujahs back out. So I'm going to give you a few. You're going to go around, you're going to give them to the grown-ups and the other people sitting out in the congregation. It is not a competition. You don't need to run. You certainly don't need to put your hands on anybody, no pushing or shoving. And you're going to help the adults so that they can sing hallelujah. So adults, in just a minute, the hymn will start. And I want you to please stand when it does. 
And until you get your hallelujah, don't sing it, okay? And we're going to let the kids help us do this. So we are not going to do what? Push. Right? Run. Yeah, please don't hit anybody. That wouldn't be good. This might be a little chaotic, and that is okay. But we're going to do it as nicely as we can. You do not need to go up the stairs, okay? Everybody up there has their hallelujah. It's just the folks out here that you need to give a hand to. Now, we're going to say our prayer. As soon as the prayer is over, the hymn will start. Adults, a congregation, please stand, and then it will be your turn. So turn around, face the congregation, please. And you're leading this, so be nice and loud. I'll say the first line. You say it back to me. Congregation, you are welcome to join in. I see the face of God in you. The love of Christ comes shining through. The love of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you. And I am blessed to be with you. O holy child of God. O holy child of God. Amen. Please stand. from Psalms chapter 118. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone of the builders, the stones that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. And this is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. A word from the psalmist for us today. Thanks be to God. 
just when you're congratulating yourself or having remembered everything, you realize halfway through the children's message that there are not enough hallelujahs in the box. So <laughs> I apologize. Thank you all for uh, playing along with that. We will, I will remember to uh, put some extras in next year. Now let's pray together. First thing, we come to you, O oh God. At first light on the new day, we seek you, though we don't always know exactly what we're looking for. You meet us with grace and offer us joy beyond imagining, for Christ is alive. In gratitude and praise, trusting in your resurrection power, we come to lift our world into your light of life. We ask your blessing of possibility for those who are stuck in fight, flight, or freeze. May those overwhelmed by your truth discover enough breathing space to respond. We ask your blessing of clarity for those who can only see what they already understand. May those constrained by their own expectations discover the fullness of your word. We ask your blessing of courage for those entrusted with your good news. May those unwilling to turn around discover the joy of your presence on the new road ahead. We ask your blessing of wholeness for those who have felt fragmented by grief, trauma, or illness. May those suffering be met by your healing presence. We ask your blessing of wonder for those who face their fears. May those stepping into the unknown be met by your strength. And we ask your blessing of earth-shaking for those whose spirits are flagging. May those longing for hope be met by witnesses who share your story. You are the one who lives even now for us and with us. And we ask these things and all things in the name of the risen Lord, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The Gospel of our Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. 
After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers and sisters to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The Gospel of our Lord. together. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And may we hear a word from you today. Amen. So I think most of you know that Eric and I lived in Pennsylvania before we moved here. It was a bit of a culture shock coming back to the South. Before that, we were in St. Louis, which is where we met and married while I was serving a church there, and that's his hometown. Right before we left St. Louis, I officiated the wedding of our friend, and at that point, landlord, uh, Jamie. It was my first wedding. It was an all-around joy, because as the bride's friend, not just the officiant, I got invited to a lot of events I normally wouldn't go to. Beyond getting to celebrate Jamie and her fiancé, Justin, these invitations uh, gave me the opportunity to sit and talk with Jamie's friend, whose name was Sarah. Sarah was the unexpected jewel of that whole experience, particularly conversationally, because she had a gift for storytelling. And whether it was because people tend to trust pastors with all sorts of very personal details very quickly, or because Sarah is just an open book, she kept me laughing at every wedding-related event. And as we all know, those can get a little long. <laughs> I found out in the first five minutes of knowing Sarah that she has two daughters, and the girls' escapades quickly became my favorite stories. Sarah's older daughter is Sophie, and Sarah described her at the time as eight going on 25. <laughs> she was the definition of precocious, whip-smart, and at some point, she learned all the parts of her brain at school. Now, Sarah explained that this became important in their family because Sophie is an extremely empathetic, sensitive child. At that age, she would often dissolve into tears, even when her friends got hurt, not her, and when people raised their voice for any reason. Happy, sad, didn't matter. After learning the parts of the brain, Sophie began coming to Sarah when she was feeling overwhelmed or stressed and saying, Mama, I feel too much. My amygdala is tired. <laughs> this became Sarah's cue to either send Sophie to her room for some quiet time or find her a place to be alone just for a few minutes. Sophie slowly became better at handling her emotions and Sarah told me she worried less about her sweet, 
sensitive daughter getting so emotionally overwhelmed. Now, if you're not aware, your amygdala is the portion of your brain that controls your sense of smell, your motivation, your emotional responses. Put another way, and there might be some doctors that disagree, but I think it's safe to say it's the part of your brain that feels. And like sweet, empathetic Sophie, this morning's glorious resurrection story could make your amygdala incredibly tired because this is a story you can feel. And by feel, I don't simply mean the emotions of Holy Week and Easter that get stirred up as we moved from the stillness of a darkened church on Monday, Thursday to the bright, flower-smelling joy of this morning. Neither do I mean the feeling that comes with seeing the beauty of God's creation expressed in our children and in the flowers, and then clumsily attempting to follow the choir as they lead us in song. I'm talking about feelings that are visceral and physical, those things that engage all of our senses, sight, sound, touch, smell, taste, thus creating a whole body experience, which is exactly what Matthew does in these verses. As commentator Mary Austin so astutely notes, this resurrection day is filled with every kind of tactile experience. I want you to envision the scene. The women feel the earth quaking beneath their feet as they walk the dusty roads to Jesus' tomb. They see an angel so painfully bright he resembles lightning, and he's wearing pure white clothes. They walk, kind of casual, and I see this angel sitting on the stone just swinging his feet, just kind of hanging out. No matter how he or she actually looks, the angel's appearance overwhelms the guards who are physically incapacitated to the point of becoming, as the scripture says, like dead men. Then the women hear the voice of the angel telling them not to be afraid. Jesus is risen, and they're welcome to come into the tomb and see for themselves where the body was laid but is no more. They're welcome to encounter the space their Lord so recently occupied. Matthew tells us the Marys depart from the tomb with fear and great joy, running, their feet slapping against the ground, not even stopping to catch their breath as they hurdle themselves toward the disciples to share the good news. They're stopped in mid-stride by Jesus, his body no longer broken and bleeding, but whole, vital, speaking. He greets them, and the women fall to their knees at his feet, taking hold of this man who they never thought to see again, and they worship him. Jesus then makes the women the first evangelists, the first sharers of the good news anywhere in the Gospels. Please take note of that. It's important. He does this when he instructs the disciples to tell, for the Marys to go and tell the disciples to meet him again in Galilee. The women rise and begin running again, likely falling all over themselves in the midst of their elation and shock. I imagine them looking back over their shoulder a couple of times, maybe every few paces, to see if Jesus is still standing in the road, to confirm that he wasn't an illusion, something their grief-stricken minds just conjured. And surely, Jesus stands there unmoving, letting these first proclaimers of the gospel drink in the sight of him until their path curves and they can see him no more. Along with being a story that engages all of our senses, the whole scene is a delightful mixture of the mundane and the glorious, the bodily and the divine. The guards' silly, tedious assignment to watch the grave of this thorn in the side of authority so thoroughly discredited and executed takes a terrifying turn when the angel suddenly appears. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary come to mourn, perhaps to prepare Jesus' body as was the practice of women in their culture, and end up leaving with a mixture of fear and great joy. The women may be confused about how to feel, but any thought of mourning has given way to that curious mixture of awe and celebration as these resilient, capable women ride the emotional, physical roller coaster that is this resurrection story. 
Beyond the sheer physicality and the overt bodiliness of these verses, what's most surprising when you stop to consider the women's reaction is that the appearance of Jesus is a bonus. And it's only when they turn their backs on Jesus' grave that they see their friend and their teacher. Did you notice that? It is symbolically significant that it is only when the Marys turn their back on the grave, turn their backs on death, the victory of the empire, the world in which anything or anyone other than God gets the last word, it's then that they see Jesus. Perhaps they're only capable of seeing him after they have physically moved in a new direction. Perhaps they are only capable of seeing Jesus after being presented with the possibility that this story ends differently than they'd thought. And when we pause to consider their reaction, we notice that the angel's presence has already sent them running. They've seen, heard, and felt enough to rush off and share the good news. They need no further convincing. So seeing and hearing and touching Jesus is sheer gift. An extension of the expansive, thoughtful, loving grace that acts as a balm for their ravaged hearts and psyches. They're already running, already bursting to share the good news with their brothers. And at that moment, Jesus moves them to inform them of his life. This moment becomes worship. My friends, what information moves us? What moves us from information? The knowledge that Jesus is alive to worship, seeing Jesus in the flesh. What moves us from knowing the story of Easter to actually celebrating this expression of love and grace and power that defies description? As we gather, bathed in the light of this indescribably holy morning, how do we move from hearers of an old story to participants in an ongoing narrative? It is only possible by immersing ourselves in resurrection. Like those who are immersed in the baptismal waters of the bayou, we must be immersed in the promise of life after death, the promise of the tomb that stands empty, the physical change of turning to face the possibilities of Christ offers, and the presence of our Lord who simply by breathing in and out and in and out shows us the depths of God's love. The good news this morning is that the good news comes on every level in every possible way in this resurrection story, in sight and sound and touch, in music the handing out of hallelujahs, and at the table of God, where a simple, sacred meal is shared. Good news comes in the smells of candle wax and flowers after a long Lent without them. It comes in the weight of our hymnals in our hands as we stand to sing out our joy, in the wearing of white stoles and the changing to white pyramids that symbolize eternal life. It comes in the beauty of everyone's Easter Sunday best and the uncontainable joy of saying to you, he is risen, and having you say back to me, he is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Easter, my friends, is not a single day we celebrate once a year or a season that we celebrate until Pentecost. Easter is to be felt in the reading of this story and then lived in our daily lives. The women at the tomb engage all of their senses because they are worshiping in that moment and we gather to worship a God who created those senses, each and every one of them, and then reaches out to us through each of them. When you open yourself up to the visceral physicality of Christ's resurrection, your initial response might be, my amygdala is tired, I feel too much. But remember the words of the angel and do not be afraid. 
Begin running to spread the good news and allow the body of Christ in your path to knock you to your knees. Worship at his corporeal feet and then stand and keep running. His is a message that must be lived out. This is an Easter we can all feel.
As we come to this time of Easter communion, we celebrate the risen Christ and embrace the grace with which the, he reaches out from the tomb. We embrace faith by committing to love and action. On this day, we shout, hallelujah, Christ is risen. It is through our neighbors and creation that we see the rising of Christ. We celebrate the shifting of seasons from one to the next. As the earth moves from winter to spring, it begins to drink in the warm rains and creation comes alive once again. And so in this spirit of brightness and life, we celebrate. We celebrate the risen Christ in our midst. We celebrate the table at which we can join with friends and strangers, loved ones and enemies. Through this meal, which has stood the test of time, we covenant to love God. Through a simple meal of grain and grape, we, God's children, unite. This is not my table. This is not Northminster's table. This is Christ's table. We are guests. Christ is the host. There is a seat here with your name on it. So kick off your walking shoes and make yourself comfortable. We are sitting on holy ground. All are wanted and all are welcomed here at this table with our doubts, our shortcomings, our failures, our grief. No matter what you bring with you to this table, you aren't just tolerated. You are overwhelmingly wanted and welcome. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Now, if you would, please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Because of his relentless pursuit of love, Jesus was seized by those in power. But before he was seized, Jesus introduced a very simple meal to his followers. And even though he knew the end was coming, he gathered with his friends at the table, sharing time with those with whom he had grown the closest. As the night lengthened, Jesus took a simple portion of bread. He blessed it, he broke it, and he shared it with the disciples, urging them, remember me. Afterwards, Jesus took the cup. And during his blessing of it, Jesus reminded him how he would go to the ends of the earth and beyond out of love for them and for all of us. Today, we celebrate this earth-shaking love of Jesus, a love that sent him to the cross and to the grave and that raised him on the third day. It is a love that lives with us eternally, encouraging us to live a resurrected life. So may it always be. Amen.
benediction. As Christ birthed forth from the tomb, may new life burst forth from us and show itself in acts of love and healing to a hurting world. And may God bless you with a distaste for superficial worship so that you will live deep within your soul. May God bless you with anger at prejudice so that you will work for justice. May God bless you with tears for those who sorrow so that you will offer comfort. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world. Go be salty. Amen.